Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Before we get into today's topic, we wanted to let you all know about a series that we're working on that will take over the next four weeks of our podcast. So starting next Wednesday, March 17th, we will be having what we call the Atonement Series. Yeah. It's exciting. It is. You guys should be excited. It's going to be really fun. Yes. So each week, our episodes will highlight a different topic related to the Atonement, starting with the process and days of the Atonement and ending with the Resurrection on April 7th. We thought it would be a fun and special way for us to prepare for Easter, um, learn more about the atonement, and apply it more fully to our lives. And then on April 14th, we will share our first general conference review episode of 2021. So then we'll be back to normal then. Yes. So we are super excited. You know we love our series. We've done two. This is like our third or fourth one by now. And then, of course, we'll finish it off with our general conference review because that's always one of the most fun episodes that we do. Yeah. Originally, we were like, oh, we'll we'll get them all done before Easter. But then I was like, you know what? Let's give ourselves a week after general conference to actually prepare the conference review episode instead of like a day like we normally do. Yeah, we wanted to breathe. It does really force us to pay attention to general conference. But breathing is also very nice. I mean, I think we'll still be okay with paying attention because <laughs> we still have homework to do for it. But oh, we will. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. True. Yes. We just won't panic as much as we used to. Yeah. I won't be stressed about editing that week, which is what I really care about the most. (laughs) That's true. Yes, exactly. Yes. So less panic in our lives. That's what we're aiming for. Yes. So next week, March 17th is episode one of the Atonement series, which will be the process and days of the Atonement, which is literally just going through the physical days of the atonement. So like the Last Supper, Gethsemane, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection. So we'll talk about stuff. It'll be great. All right. On to today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, we're going to talk about that today? Yeah, we're going to do that today. (laughs) Oh, okay. This isn't the end. Oh, really? We have more to do. Oh, that's good to know. Almost (laughs) the computer. Oh, gosh. No. (laughs) But anyways, so today's topic is going to be about submitting our will to the Lord. So there's a lot of nuances to it, and we're excited to dive into it. And it's been one topic that we've been thinking a lot about, uh, because as you know, uh, we've definitely been struggling with a lot of things, especially employment issues. And it's hard to figure out what the Lord wants us to do and and trying to make future plans for our lives, like where we live, what we do, who we're around, etc, etc, etc. So this is really something that we've been learning about the hard way, and we hope that through this week's episode and discussion, we can share some insights that we've learned, and hopefully we can help you be better at this than us in our own lives. So we hope you get something from it, and if you do learn anything, then please share it with us. Yes, exactly. So we're going to start out by talking about what it means exactly to submit your will to the Lord. So in October 1995 General Conference, Elder Neil A. Maxwell taught, Submitting your will to the Lord is not resignation or a mindless caving in. Rather, it is deliberate expanding outward. Likewise, it is not shoulder-shrugging acceptance, but instead shoulder-squaring to better bear the yoke. 
the submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. The many other things we give are actually the things he has already given or loaned to us. However, when you and I finally submit ourselves by letting our individual wills be swallowed up in God's will, then we are really giving something to him. It is the only possession which is truly ours to give. I love that. I haven't really thought about this before, and it sounds really dumb, but like I've never really thought about the fact that your will and your agency are really the only things that you can give to the Lord. Like, because everything we have is a blessing. Like our lives, the air that we breathe, the houses that we live in, everything is given to us. Right, exactly. Even our time, like our time isn't ours, it's from the Lord. So submitting your will really is the only thing that you can give the Lord. That's true. Yes. And I love that he explains how it essentially means that you are giving up what you want to do or what your plans are to fully accept, listen, and go forward with whatever the Lord's plans are for you, which we both know can be insanely difficult. (laughs) So hard. (laughs) Because we all have our visions and ideas of what our lives should be like. But the Lord is the only one who can see the end from the beginning. Like only he knows who we can and will become if we follow him. And he has a plan for each of us, but it's up to us to seek after his plan and to lay our wills and our plans on the altar of sacrifice in order to do what he wants. Right, exactly. And like, I think this is the beautiful setup to guiding into our atonement series, because this is ultimately the first step. This is why we're here on this earth like this is part of the plan that we're using our agency to do what the lord wants us to do to follow in our heavenly parents footsteps by turning our will over to him then we are taking that step that we are meant to be taking during this lifetime to grow closer unto our heavenly parents to become more like them through this plan so the ultimate example of having your will swallowed up in the will of god is jesus christ He painfully submitted his will to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, when in agony and anguish of spirit, he declared, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And those words are from Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. His example showed us the way on what we are meant to do, that even through our struggles, we are meant to turn to the Lord that we're going to struggle and that we're going to suffer and we're going to have happiness. And it's important that we are submitting ourselves unto the Lord. So we know that the Savior could not have chosen to go through the atonement, but he knew that it was the only way to allow us admittance back into the presence of the Father after this life. Jesus Christ chose to submit, drink the bitter cup, and do the will of the Father. Was it easy? No. Was it painless? No. But he did do it. And his example is a perfect example of submitting your will to God, not knowing what may happen next, but trusting that his plan is greater than yours. Yeah, it's true. Every now and then I think about that picture that constantly goes around Facebook every year where it's like a little girl with a teddy bear and Jesus is kneeling in Mm -hmm. front of her with like a gigantic teddy bear behind him. Oh, yeah. And she's like, but I love him. I don't want to give him up. And he just like has his hand out and he's like, you have to trust me. Like. Yes. That sort of thing. I always think about that when I think about submitting your will to the Lord because, yeah, your plan is good. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. Yeah. But the Lord's plan is better. Right. And if you are willing to give up that plan, you could see even greater blessings than you could even possibly imagine. 
Agreed. Well, and then, like, that's the thing. Like, when we do discuss submitting, then it's always, like, submit under the yoke. Like, submit to and accept the pain, accept the suffering. But while submitting our will is about giving up our will and our control over to the Lord, it's it's not entirely about suffering. We're still acting, but we're letting him act through us. And I love another analogy of how um, I was reading this in my research, but how we're all seeds and we need help growing. And so we can think that we know the right way to grow, but we might think like, okay, well, this soil is good enough for us, not realizing, say, we're in a small pot and we need more room to grow. So when we get moved, then we're just like, what on earth is happening to us? But our heavenly parents know exactly what we need. They do that with love, with experience. They give us the nutrients that we need in order to grow. Seeds don't always know everything that they're meant to do, that we're meant to be. But when we act in accordance with the Lord's wishes and desires, then we can become who we are meant to be. There is an article in the Insight in 2016 entitled Accepting the Lord's Will and Timing, and it pulls up a story from Neil A. Maxwell back in 1997 when he was undergoing chem- chemotherapy. And it goes through his story and it offers, it shares a quote of him saying, I have learned that not shrinking is more important than surviving. So when we are submitting ourselves to the Lord, it's not about shrinking and becoming smaller, but we are taking up the opportunity to grow into what we are meant to become. There's also another beautiful quote that he shared where he said that as we confront our own trials and tribulations, we too can plead with the father just as Jesus did that we might not shrink. Um, meaning to retreat or recoil. Moreover, partaking of a bitter cup without becoming bitter is likewise part of the emulation of Jesus, which I think is um, what we were already trying to say is that when we are drinking that bitter cup, when we are submitting ourselves, it's not about letting go and suffering. It's about finding a way to better thrive than we were before. I love that last line too of partaking of the bitter cup without becoming bitter yes, is so important because, I mean, I know at least from my life, there have been moments where I will reluctantly say, okay, fine, I'll do it right, and I'll be salty. But then like <laughs> after, <laughs> after doing what he wants me to do for like a week or two or whatever it is he's commanded me to do and like taking that step, then I start seeing like, okay, this was significantly better than what you had in mind for me and letting go of my saltiness and my <laughs> unhappiness towards that decision goes away. And that's when I can see myself receiving more blessings. So it's not just letting go of your will, but it's also letting go of the like angry, bitter feelings that we feel when we have to relinquish control and just wholeheartedly accepting what he wants. Yes. There is joy in the journeys that we take. Just because we think that we are losing some of our agency, so to speak, does not mean that we're holding on to anger or contention. We are letting go of the preconceived notions we had of who we are, who we want to be, where we were meant to go, and trusting in the Lord to guide us in the right direction so that we can be the best of who we are, to be where we are meant to be, and so on. Exactly. So now we're going to talk about how this is actually done. Because I know for me, like those stories about people just letting go and letting God take control, they don't entirely make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. 
because there's no how part. Like they just say, one day I woke up and I let it all go. Like, no, you didn't. How did you do, how did you get there? Like, I need to know the steps. Right. Well, then exactly. Like, especially like when people say, Jesus, take the wheel. You, you don't just like stomp on the gas pedal and be like, woo, roller coaster, let's go. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how it works. It, it cannot be. It, oh, yeah. Yes, it is. I, th- I think it's a process. Anyone who says, like, I just suddenly changed one day. I woke up a different person. I, personally, I don't see how that is possible. If you have a miracle cure on how that worked for you, we do really want to hear about it. But in our perspective, it definitely is more of a process that requires effort, conscious uh, strategies, and choices for us to make on a regular basis. Yes. So with that, we have a couple things that we have mapped out from our own experience over the last year in particular on how to give up your will to the Lord. So the first thing that we suggest is humble yourself. My last least favorite. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this during our episode on faith crises, which was episode 42, if you need to go back and listen. But one critical thing that we need to do is humble ourselves. And the question is, how do we do that? Because we hear you need to humble yourself all the time in conference, in the scriptures, everything. And that can be boiled down to one word, repent. So often we find ourselves in a trial or any kind of hardship and we turn away from the Lord because we think we can figure everything out on our own. When in reality, we cannot. Definitely no. <laughs> we, we may be able to finesse our way out of some sticky situations every now and then, but if we truly want to succeed, we need the Lord's help. So as we humble ourselves and we turn to the Lord, we are giving up our own internal response to say, I can handle this in favor of a more excellent way. Yes, I like it. To continue with Elder Maxwell's talk, he suggested... Each of us might well ask, in what ways am I shrinking or holding back? Meek introspection may yield some bold insights. I felt like we needed to include this quote in our section on humbling ourselves because when we repent, we are really turning our hearts toward the Lord and showing him that we're willing to do whatever it takes to follow him. Heck yes. I know for me, recording that episode about faith crises and realizing that repentance is the most important thing you can do during a faith crisis was literally the most eye-opening moment that I had in the last year. I had no idea that that's what was missing from my trial. And as soon as I started doing that more diligently, I started seeing a difference in how I could bear the trial and see the trial from a different perspective instead of my tunnel vision perspective. I like that. I really think that when we repent, we are taking in that introspection. We are really considering the mistakes that we've made, how we could do better, how the Lord plays a part in our lives, and how we could be improving that relationship. Repentance is... I don't want to say it's more complicated, but there's so much more to it than just saying, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. I won't do it again. There's so much more to repentance. And it really is a blessing because it teaches us so much as we go through the process and continue to repent for our mistakes and to consider how we could be continuously becoming better. We will be able to better handle our trials and grow closer to the Lord. We'll be able to do so much more as we go through this process. Yeah. It's not just saying the words, but you really have to feel it. Like you have to feel like I've been stupid and I need to fix this. That's true. Yes. And I think that's when things start changing. 
Yeah, because I've been I've been in that spot where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna repent. Like, yeah, whatever. I was on like whatever. Okay, just you know, forgive me. Let's move on. No, I don't. I can't move on unless I learn from my mistakes. I'm going to make those same mistakes over and over again, and that is just embarrassing for me at least. So I do try to take repentance seriously because I get so much more out of it when I do. Exactly. So President Boyd K. Packer taught. The mercy and grace of Jesus Christ are not limited to those who commit sins, but they encompass the promise of everlasting peace to all who will accept and follow him. His mercy is the mighty healer, even to the wounded innocent. And that comes from his October 2014 General Conference talk. I mean, we'll go way more into discussions about the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ in our atonement series, so really this is like a good precursor to that series next week. But when we truly do our best to follow the Savior and rely on the strength that comes from the atonement, we really will have peace, guidance, and healing. And it is necessary to have the peace, guidance, and healing aspects of the atonement in our hearts to humble ourselves and so that way we can get to that next step in our trial. And honestly, like, who doesn't want peace, healing, and guidance? Like, who doesn't want that? Honestly. I will take all of that and more, please. (laughs) So good. So that's our first step. Humble yourself. Our second one is one of the more fun ones, I think, in my perspective, which is seek revelation. Gotta go out and learn some knowledge. In times of trial and in order to submit our will to the Lord, we have to truly rely on the Lord. If we want to have any hopes of enduring and thriving, we need to be actively seeking revelation. So you've heard us discuss receiving personal revelation in episode 37, as well as countless other episodes, of course. But when you're working to submit your will to the Lord, we're talking about essentially taking a complete leap into the darkness, not knowing what to do or how to do it, but trusting that the Lord has placed a path beneath you so that you don't fall dramatically and painfully to your death. That really is it. (laughs) In Indiana Jones, when he has to take that leap of faith, it gets my heart every time. It always has. Like, I'm just like, it's not going to be there this time. It's not going to be there this time. But it is. It is. And I firmly believe that the Lord will always do that for us as well. Exactly. And to like further illustrate that is the three-part video series called Patterns of Light from um, David A. Bednar. In his first one, he says, Sometimes light and revelation comes gradually like the rising of the sun. Sometimes receiving inspiration is like a foggy day. There is enough light that you can tell there's no darkness anymore. You can see just enough ahead to take a few steps, and then the light continues to help you see ahead so you can press forward. As we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, he is the light. As we follow his example and live according to his teachings, there is illumination for all aspects of our lives. I love that analogy because it is so visual. When we think about revelation, sometimes people are hoping for that like grand thing that happens with like Alma and Ammon. Bring me me an angel who will tell me exactly (laughs) what I need to do. Then I will totally do it. I will. I swear. But those are... But those are super rare occasions. And more often than not, we have multiple questions that are clouding our mind. And it takes us breaking down all of the questions and just being like, I'm going to try and do this one thing. If it's right, give me the heads up. If it's wrong, give me the heads up. Like, And then you take that step. And once you've taken that step, the Lord's like, good job. I knew you could do this on your own. Now try to do this thing. And then you get more knowledge. 
just thinking about it being like a foggy day where like you take a step forward and the fog lifts enough so you can take another step forward is so beautiful to think about. I love that. It is the bomb. Although, okay, but also there is a chance it will continue to stay a little scary. Like when you're driving in the thick fog, it can be terrifying. And sometimes your fog lights aren't always going to work that well. But you do need to trust in the Lord as you go along. You need to trust in the Lord so that he can guide you. Because if you don't put your trust in the Lord, if you don't give him a chance to guide you, then you're not listening and he's not going to be able to do that for you. Yeah, you really do have to trust that he has your best interests in mind and at heart and that he's not just going to let you fall flat on your face and die. Like you have to trust that he's not going to do that to you. Exactly. So then if we need a scripture reference, just think about when Nephi was commanded to build a boat in First Nephi chapter 17. So Nephi honestly could have said, no freaking away. I've never seen a boat before. How the heck is that supposed to happen? And he could just like walked away and I wouldn't totally blame him for that because that sounds terrifying and hard. <laughs> but but instead, Nephi sought revelation. In verses 9 through 10, he first asked the Lord where he should go to find ore to molten so that he could make the tools that he needs to start building the boat. And then the Lord reveals that to him. So Nephi didn't ask a huge question that would reveal the truth of everything at once. He was like, okay, can you bring me the tools? Get, bring me an instruction guide. Give me this. Give me that. I would need all the wood perfectly shaped for everything put down here and I'm ready to go. He didn't do that. He was smarter. He started from the very beginning. He asked a small question about a detail that, you know, you and I probably would never have thought of. But because Nephi knew that the Lord would reveal his plan piece by piece, Nephi took a step into the darkness and found enough light to keep going on one step at a time. And I love this because this is one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn growing up, which is asking questions. It's not hard. Sometimes it's going to sound dumb, but we need to ask those questions. We need to be asking the little questions that can help us on our journey to finding the answers to the bigger questions. It all leads up. So don't try to like bite off more than you can do at once. Just start where you can, where you are. Exactly. Like this entire trial of trying to find a new big girl job, I swear, I have consistently come back to this section of the Book of Mormon because. I have had to reframe how I ask questions about finding a job all the time. At the beginning, like probably a year ago, like probably in March of 2020, I was asking more generalized questions like, geographically, where should I be looking for a job? How am I supposed to afford moving during a pandemic? Why is my life a disaster? Like I was asking ridiculous questions. Um, I feel that so much. And... Now, a year later, I'm asking questions that will help me get to the next step. Like, all right, which sites should I use today to look for a job? Or how should I write my cover letter for this job? Who should I contact on LinkedIn after applying to this job? What should I say so I don't sound like an idiot while I'm networking on LinkedIn after I apply to this job? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the more questions that I've been asking, the more I'm getting. It's such an easy principle to like ask so many questions and you'll get so many answers. But like the more questions that I've been asking, the more time I'm willing to take with the Lord also to listen. And that has changed everything about my revelatory experiences over the last year. So like this matters. This matters a lot. It does. And then The thing with asking big questions is that we're often not truly prepared for the big answers. There's a lot that is required to get to that point for us. And the Lord 
always knows whether or not we are ready. So it's important that we are able to work ourselves up to getting to that point. It's not the same as taking a leap of faith is the thing. We need to take the leap of faith and taking that for a small step, but we can't take the leap of faith and expecting to get to the end in one giant leap. There's, there's a difference. We do need to be putting in that continual effort, that continual dedication and time into working with the Lord and learning to trust the Lord and moving along in that way. And of course, step number three then is pray for and seek patience because it's going to take a while and it's hard. We've said it before that praying for patience is a terrible thing to do then, of course, because the Lord will bless you with opportunities to practice patience and we don't like that, but it can be important. And in this situation, we do need it. We need it, especially when it comes to learning to submit our will to the Lord. Praying for patience here is then an act of prayer. It's asking for help in waiting and being okay with waiting while the Lord reveals his arm in your life. Exactly. As we've already talked about Elder Maxwell's talk a million times, um, like he explained, patience doesn't mean passively sitting by and waiting for something to happen. Patience is action. It means doing everything you can on your end to work a miracle in your life while waiting and trusting that the Lord will do what he needs to do on his end. That means actively and faithfully pushing forward. We need to be keeping the commandments, striving to improve ourselves through repentance, seeking the Lord's guidance through revelation, and we need to be putting in the work necessary to receive the reward we're seeking. We have to be willing to put our shoulder to the wheel if we want to see some sort of a result. I like that. That is so important. All right, then, of course, coming back to Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, of course, in his April 2010 talk, uh, Continue in Patience. Um, so Elder Uchtdorf recalled an experience from his own life when he was 10 years old, newly moved to West Germany. While in school, everything was different from the curriculum he was familiar with in East Germany, the geography, history, and especially second language. He had been studying Russian in schools while in East Germany, but then being taught English in his new school. He felt overwhelmed and feared that he would never learn English. Cannot blame him. Luckily for him, his teacher taught him about patient persistence, steady and consistent work, and how that would help him to succeed. He said, from that experience, I learned that patience was far more than simply waiting for something to happen. Patience required actively working toward worthwhile goals and not getting discouraged when results didn't appear instantly or without effort. There is an important concept here. Patience is not passive resignation, nor is it failing to act because of our fears. Patience means active waiting and enduring. It means staying with something and doing all that we can. Working, hoping, and exercising faith. Bearing hardship with fortitude even when the desires of our hearts are delayed. Patience is not simply enduring. It is enduring well. So good. That is so good. That puts patience in a more clear perspective and like makes me actually want to try it better. Like it's it's waiting and enduring. It's it's continuously working on something. Patient persistence is key. We can't even hope to have this blessing of patient persistence if we do not seek it and pray for divine help in attaining this attribute. Yeah, and I like how Ukdorf continued to say, waiting can be hard. We don't like to wait. Patience, the ability to put our desires on hold for a time, is a precious and rare virtue. We want what we want and we want it now. Therefore, the very idea of patience may seem unpleasant and, at times, bitter. Nevertheless, without patience, we cannot please God. We cannot become perfect. Indeed, patience is a purifying process that refines understanding, deepens happiness, 
focuses action and offers hope for peace. I love all of that. I love that he explains that patience is a purifying process because when we are seeking patience, we are striving to live this Christ-like attribute. The Lord really does deepen our happiness and he refines our understanding and gives us peace as we're seeking patience. Like when we joke, oh, don't pray for patience because, you know, you'll get it. You'll get opportunities to use it. He's not just going to be like, all right, good luck, suffer. I know you don't have any patience, but now's your chance to practice. Like that's not what he does. He prepares you for those opportunities. He helps you to purify your heart in a way that will allow you to be more patient in those situations and will give you peace every time you are acting out on the patience that you've been seeking. And I think that's such an important aspect of waiting on the Lord. It's that seeking patience and seeking the will of the Lord means that you have to be actually doing the seeking part. You have to look for it, you have to work for it, and you have to do everything you possibly can while trusting that the Lord is going to do the rest on his end and happily waiting for him to do that part. I love that. Yes, so good. There is, of course, the struggle as we try to bring ourselves to the point where where we do submit our will because we're going to fight that. We're going to want to do whatever we want to do. So why can't we just do what we want to do? Elder Holland gave the perfect talk in October 2020 conference called Waiting on the Lord. So in this talk, he explained how waiting on the Lord means that we sometimes have to wade through rough waters, struggle, and toil while feeling like there's no end in sight. Sound familiar? He says that sometimes we find ourselves asking the Lord, how long do we wait for relief from hardships that come upon us? The answer is we don't know. Sometimes you have to wait longer than you'd like for the Lord to reveal his arm and purposes in your trials. Then Alder Holland takes on the role of all of us by saying, well, if this is the case, shouldn't his love and mercy simply part of our personal Red Seas and allow us to walk through our troubles on dry ground? Shouldn't he send 21st century seagulls winging in from somewhere to gobble up all of our pesky 21st century crickets? So Elder Holland responds to the question and he says that the answer to such questions is yes, God can provide miracles instantaneously. But sooner or later, we learn that the times and seasons for of our mortal journey are his and his to direct. He administers that calendar to every one of us individually. For every infirm man healed instantly as he waits to enter the pool of Bethesda, someone else will spend 40 years in the desert waiting to enter the promised land. For every Nephi and Lehi divinely protected by an encircling flame of fire for their faith, we have an Abinadi burned at a stake of flaming fire for his. And as we remember that the same Elijah who in an instant called down fire from heaven to bear witness against the priests of Baal is the same Elijah who endured a period when there was no rain for years and who, for a time, was fed only by the skimpy sustenance that could be carried in a raven's claw. By my estimation, that can't have been anything that we would call a happy meal. The point the point is that faith means trusting God in good times and bad, even if that includes some suffering until we see his arm revealed in our behalf. That can be difficult in our modern world when many have come to believe that the highest good in life is to avoid all suffering, that no one should ever anguish over anything. But that belief will never lead us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love this answer because, yeah, it's hard. Like, it is hard to wait for the Lord. And it's painful to see other people 
getting their miracle while you sit by and you wait for yours. It is so difficult. But like this life wasn't meant to be easy. If we want to truly become like Christ, return to him, and measure to the stature of the fullness of Christ, then we have to be refined and we have to be purified. And that means, like Elder Holland said, we're going to have to suffer a little bit. Like, we're going to have to endure some really hard trials. That means that we're going to have to learn how to follow him in hard times as much as we follow him in easy times. Like, it's the worst part of knowing the plan of salvation and being a member of the church in a way, because you know that no matter what, like, there's going to be hard times that follow and you're going to have to suck it up and go through it because it's the only way for you to become like Jesus Christ. Right, exactly. And I mean, if you look at any example of the prophets before us, you can see that they have had miracles in their lives as well as struggles. You can look at Laman and Lemuel, for example, to show that they received miracle after miracle. They saw an angel and yet they continued to make mistakes and struggled and refused to, to turn to the Lord. If everything was just fixed for us, that wouldn't actually make us better people. There's no guarantee of that by any means. There are going to, so there's going to be times where we need to struggle and it's through those struggles that we will learn and grow and grow closer to our Lord. But of course, as it said, like we're not always just going to struggle. There will be miracles of some type or another within our lives. Will we always notice them? Not necessarily, but they are there. The Lord is going to be with us. We just have to be doing our best to stay close unto him and our heavenly parents. With that, like you segued into this other quote from Holland's talk perfectly. So he gives this promised blessing in the talk as an added boost of strength for us to trust in the Lord's timing. He says, quote, So while we work and wait together for the answers to some of our prayers, I offer you my apostolic promise that they are heard and they are answered, though perhaps not at the time or in the way we wanted, but they are always answered at the time and in the way an omniscient and eternally compassionate parent should answer them, end quote. I love that. It's so important for us to remember that the miracle we're seeking will eventually come. The prayers that we make are always answered. They might not be answered in this life. They might be answered in the next life. But Heavenly Father will always answer our prayers. And we just have to trust Him and His timing. Trust that the miracle is coming. Trust that the Lord has your back and he's going to answer that prayer in the perfect time. Uh, yeah. So as you were sharing that quote, it reminded me of my niece who I live with. She's like 18 months old and she wants all of her things, all the fun stuff right away all the time. She just wants something in that moment. She's not thinking about later. She doesn't get the if then statements yet. So there are points where I can't give her everything she wants. And sometimes I have to wait to give her something. And does she whine and cry? Yes, that does happen. But when she does eventually get what she wants, then it's amazing. And she's the happiest little kid. And I get all the hugs and kisses. And it is precious. And I love it. And I think that's a lot of what the Lord does with us. We are very much children in the sense of not knowing everything and trying to learn what we can during this lifetime and our limited vision and scope of the future. There's only so much that we can see at this point in time. And there's going to be times where the Lord is like, no, you can't have that right now. No, you're not going to get this. That's like, you don't really want this. You think you do, but you don't. It's like that kid who wanted to eat like a 
bowl full of garlic. What? No. Have you seen that video? There's 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 like there's toddlers who are like, I want to eat this, and you're like, Well, it's a onion, not an apple. And then he takes a bite and then he's in tears because it's not what he really wanted. Not to get off topic. We're just we are children in a certain perspective when it comes to, to our relationship and our understanding of the eternities. There's only so much that we can understand and we need to trust that the Lord is doing the right thing for us. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about what the promised blessings are for submitting your will to the Lord, because there have to be blessings for your sacrifices. That's how it works. If we are asked to do something, then yes, we do get something out of it. Exactly. So I always joke that I always joke about this, but it's 100% true. I always say it's better to work with the Lord than against him. Yeah. And I mean that in reference to doing his will versus doing your own will. You won't win. Exactly. You will not win. You you better just give up now and like do what he wants you to do because you're going to end up doing it either way. Like just do it. You might think because you want something so badly and so desperately that the Lord is just going to give it to you because it's a righteous desire, but that's not the case. Sometimes the Lord has something even better in store for you that he'll give you if you are willing to give up that thing or that idea that we're clinging to. And if you do what he wants you to do, instead of fighting him and doing whatever you want to do, we will see the blessings and the miracles happen in our lives. And I say this because I have seen this many times in my life. I have seen this so many times. And you'd think I would know by now to do this in my own life instead of telling other people (laughs) to do this in their lives. But trust me when I say it is much better to do what the Lord wants than to do what you want and fight him about it. Yes. Just trust me on that one. Yes. Like this. Just, yeah, just, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be really uncomfortable at first, but it'll be so much better than fighting him for X amount of time trying to make happen what you want. Yeah, even when you think you're winning in this, you're not going to win. You will lose. The way to win. You're not winning. You are never winning. (laughs) You can can think you are. Like, you can think you are, and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm living my life now. You can think it's going to work out for you. But you can't succeed and you you can't win that way ultimately. Within a few steps, you're going to stumble and be like, uh oh. So it is important that we are able to, to stop fighting him, to turn to him, to try and understand exactly what it means for us to submit to, our, to, to him our will. Because it's going to be a unique and different experience for each one of us. It, like, just like it's our own relationship that we have with our heavenly parents. It's going to be very different. It's going to be unique. And then we're going to be able to see different types of blessings and challenges along the way. Yeah. But you do have to, you know, take that step toward him in order to start doing that, to start seeing that in your life. So back to Elder Oakdorf Sock and continuing patience, he said that in short, knowledge and understanding come at the price of patience. Often the deep valleys of our present will be understood only by looking back on them from the mountains of our future experience. Often we can't see the Lord's hand in our lives until long after trials have passed. Often the most difficult difficult times of our lives are essentially building blocks that form the foundation of our character and pave the way to future opportunity 
understanding, and happiness. To paraphrase the psalmist of old, if we wait patiently for the Lord, he will incline unto us. He will hear our cries. He will bring us out of a horrible pit and set our feet upon a solid rock. He will put a new song in our mouths and we will praise our God. Many around us will see it and they will trust in the Lord. I think that was beautifully said. And it's, it is very important because we can think that nothing's happening, that we're not making any progress until we are at the top of the mountain that we have just spent the last few years climbing. And we're like, oh, look, progress. Mm-hmm. Like it, it will happen. We just need to turn to the Lord and we won't always see where we're going, but we'll be able to see where we've been and use that as a reference to show that we've been able to trust in the Lord and good things have happened so we could keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes you'll see how far you've come when you're past like the very worst of your trial. Mm-hmm. Because I, like, I can already see how far I've come in the last year. And I'm, I mean, I'm nowhere closer to the end of my trial than I was, but I can see how far I've come and I can see how much I've changed because I'm not in the thick of the fighting to survive and fighting to like get my brain over this whole thing. Right. But like you can finally see and recognize the hand of the Lord in your life when you do submit your will to the Lord. You can see how much he's been blessing you along the way And you can see how he has saved you multiple times throughout everything. So I think it's really important to recognize that the biggest promise blessing is that he's going to show you his hand and he's going to show you how his hand was there the entire time once you have finally accepted his will. In January 2021, Ted Gilbert wrote a blog post for churchofjesuschrist.org called Finding the Savior Through Afflictions. And we're not going to go into the whole thing now. We just want you guys to go back onto the church website and take a look at it. We're going to explain more about it in the episode notes on our website in a couple of weeks. Whenever we get to the newer episodes, we're going to put it up there. Um, Yeah, the overview of the story is Ted was diagnosed with leukemia while he was serving his mission, this huge trial, essentially, when he was still very young. And then a year after he started feeling better, a really good friend of his got into a terrible car accident that caused severe injuries to her back and her head. And she was in critical condition and remained in the hospital for six weeks, but at the time, he didn't know how long she would be there. And essentially, he talks about in this blog post how you don't know what the Lord's plan is for you or for anyone else in your life, but you have to trust that he has the best interests in mind, that he knows what he's going to be doing, that he knows how to heal us and how to help us grow as his children. Once he finally figured out that God had a bigger plan in mind for him, that God was in control, and that all of the experiences he had would work together for his own good and for the good of others, that he was able to see the blessings come out of this. But just to like wrap this thing up, he wrapped up the article by saying, There have been a few more times when I have had to face the possibility of losing my sweetheart, but I can testify that through these many afflictions we have experienced the goodness of God. We have found reasons to laugh, smile, and praise him. More trials are ahead for sure, 
but from these past experiences, we know that God is our Father, Jesus is our brother, and together with the Holy Ghost, they are leading us to the promised land. I highly recommend going back and reading this article on the church's website. Again, it's called Finding the Savior Through Afflictions, and it's a blog post on the church website. Right. And I, it, it really is worth a good read or a few times over because it does tell a very difficult s- story about all these trials that these two people went through and how they came to terms with everything that happened through their lives and finding the Savior more through their tribulations and how they've come to terms with what it really means to submit their will to the Lord and learning to, you know, let go of those expectations, let go of those ideas in their heads of everything that could happen in their lives and turn their will over to the Lord so that they can trust in the Lord and be blessed in those ways. We really feel like the best way to summarize everything that we've shared today um, about submitting your will to the Lord comes back to Elder Holland's talk from October 2020. He likened Alma chapter 32 and how Alma taught about faith being like a little seed that if we nourish it, water it, tend to it, it will grow into a fruitful tree. Elder Holland says, Many lessons are taught in this remarkable chapter, but central to them all is the axiom that the seed has to be nourished and we must wait for it to mature. We look forward with an eye of faith to the fruit thereof. Our harvest, Alma says, comes by and by. Little wonder that he concluded his remarkable instruction by repeating three times a call for diligence and patience in nurturing the word of God in our hearts, waiting, as he says, with long suffering for the tree to bring forth fruit unto you. COVID and cancer, doubt and dismay, financial trouble and family trials. When will these burdens be lifted? The answer is by and by. And whether that be a short period or a long one is not always ours to say. But by the grace of God, the blessings will come to those who hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That issue was settled in a private garden and on a very public hill in Jerusalem long ago. We know there are times in life that don't go the way that we planned. We know that there are times when it hurts so much to just get out of bed in the morning and to try to figure out what the Lord wants you to do next. It could be a short period of time or a long period of time, but however long it takes, we know that humbling yourself, seeking revelation, and pushing forward with patient persistence and relying heavily on the Lord will make it possible. The Lord always answers our prayers. It may not be in the timing that we want, but they always will get answered. By and by, the burdens will be lifted and the blessings will come to us. Exactly. Well said. So we know that we're going to struggle and everything that we go through, these experiences are valid. There will be times for us to mourn, just like we're going to be able to pick ourselves up with the help of the Lord. And through all of this, we can find comfort as we submit our will to our Lords and knowing that we are not alone. When we're swallowed up in the Lord and submit our will to him, we are becoming truly the children of our heavenly parents that we are meant to be. There is goodness in this journey, just like there is hardship. There's a lot of beauty that we can experience, and that's what we need to be looking for as we strive to submit our will to the Lord. So we hope that you got something out of this today and can apply what we've shared from our own experiences and from general authorities about submitting your will to the Lord. And we hope that you can learn faster than we did, especially, (laughs) and apply these teachings to your lives in ways that will 
ultimately help you to grow closer to the Savior because that's the ultimate goal every time we get on this thing. Exactly. Thanks for listening again, guys. We are so excited to do this with you every week, and we are so excited about the Atonement series once again starting next week. It's going to be great, you guys. We look forward to it. We hope you're here for it. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. See you guys then. Bye. Bye.